Welcome to the Movie Planet. With Joe. Wait, guys, are we still going to watch Charlie Brown and wrap Christmas presents like always? So where's the dog? I need to get married. And Joel. I just wanted Christmas to be like it used to be, but forget it. I hate Christmas. I hate all of you. Max. All way off of him. Kid deserves a prize just for telling the truth. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Dave Keckner to my Adam Scott, Joel. Take that as a compliment. You are champ kind. <laughs> Whammy! <laughs> oh, I will say I enjoyed that introduction, but not once have I ever been sad that the Steelers lost. No, no. As a Cleveland Browns fan, I'm sure you're not. Nope. <laughs> I like Jerome Bettis growing up, but that's about my extent. Uh, this week, we are reviewing Krampus for the Christmas movie genre. We will discuss the movie and decide whether this movie belongs in the pantheon of Christmas movies. Right now, there's only one movie in it, and it's Home Alone, justifiably so, yeah. with a nice solid B-plus hanging out in there. So regardless of what we graded today, it's going in. Uh, the higher we, the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its ass from the pantheon in the future. So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen... Krampus, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've handled that business, let's get to our movie of the week. All right, this week we were talking about 2015's Krampus, a PG-13 movie made for $15 million that raked in a nice solid horror show, uh, $61.5 million. Uh, directed by Michael Doherty, written by Todd Casey, Michael Doherty, and Zach Shields. Starring Adam Scott as Tom, Tony Collette as Sarah, MJ Anthony as Max, David Keckner as Howard, Allison Tolman as Linda, Conchata Farrell as Aunt Dorothy, Stefania Lavi Owen as Beth Engel, Krista Stadler as Old Lady Omi, Lolo Owen as Stevie, Queenie Samuel as Jordan, Maverick Flack as Howie Jr., and Seth Green. Yes, that's Seth Green as Gingerbread Man Lumpy. See, I read that before the movie, and I still couldn't pick out Seth Green's voice. No, it's no. It's just noises, isn't it? It never think, actually says anything. I think so. It's a lot like, uh, who's the guy? Uh, shoot, that, I'm going to blank on this. He was in Parks and Rec. Uh, he was uh, Aziz's goofy-ass friend. Oh, uh, John Ralphio. John Ralphio, yeah. yeah. He, he was apparently lended his voice to BB-8. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's like, okay, so it's basically just sounds, and you just mod- modulate the sound. Got it. Yeah. Uh, according to the good, good people at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 65%. The critics, on average, gave this film a 6 out of 10. Uh, the audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a 3.2 out of 5, with 51% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. Interestingly enough, where this is the second Christmas movie we're doing, Yeah, it's also the best rated one. Is it higher than Home Alone? It really is, That's which wild. I can't believe. <clears throat> That's, that one's tough. And I've, I keep trying to think of that, because... I did give Home Alone a very high grade. But it was deservedly so. You had good reasons. Well, right. Um, but I was also thinking about it like, that's what I know as Christmas movies. Right. Because that came out in 90. I was born in 91. Yeah. As far as, I'm con- as, far, as, far as my mind is concerned, knowing what a Christmas movie is started with Home Alone. Yeah. So it's interesting to know like, where other people started as far as like, what their very first Christmas movie was. I think you're right. For the yeah. people that grew up with White Christmas... <laughs> They might, you know, they might see Home Alone as a weird, like, D of a, this isn't a Christmas movie, this is a sadistic child. (laughs) 
<laughs> or that's more Home Alone 2. I think it's wild in 2. You did say Home Alone 2 is like where they would actually die. Yeah, no, they would have died so soon. I had a... <laughs> I had a friend that didn't even know that I, we had done Home Alone this past week. Yeah. And he sent a text to our group chat and said, Ke- he's like, oh, Kevin McAllister got really sadistic in New York, didn't he? <laughs> it's just Home Alone, like, times three on the ridiculous scale. Yeah. But uh, I, it would be interesting to know, like, these voters, well, they're, they're also not voting as far as a Christmas movie goes. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think they're just grading it as a film itself. Yeah. But even so, I mean, I think when it comes to the, the way it is as a film itself, you, I think you could just toss your coin in the ha- in the air, heads or tails, with this one in Home Alone. I mean, they're both pretty well made movies. Uh, do you think that Christmas movies are kind of like video game movies in that people just look at it as like, well, it was good for a Christmas movie or it was good for a video game movie? I, you know, I was thinking about that earlier this week. I was like, you know, Home Alone is a great movie for Christmas. Is it a great movie overall? And I thought about what they said in Dogma because when she makes her, when she does her rant, the muse does her rant about Home Alone and how she wasn't responsible for it. She says I, that I, I was not responsible for that piece of shit. Huh. And I'm thinking to myself, Kevin Smith doesn't normally shit on movies, right? Openly, so I don't know. I don't know if I'm looking at it through nostalgic eyes, where, but I, I, I think it's a pretty good movie, honestly. Yeah, I can only see it through traditional eyes. But that being said, it's also something that I only watch for. Two a month and a half out of the entire year. Yeah, right. So I don't know. It's interesting, but this one. Uh, well, we'll get to our opinions on Krampus. Yeah, I'll say this: this one is straight up a Christmas movie. You yeah. can't do this without Christmas. No. Yes, you're um, absolutely right. But that we'll see if that actually sways any of our grades here. <laughs> uh, well, now it's time for a little trivia about the making of the movie. Don't get on the set. Get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. The film was originally released on November 25th, but was pushed back to December 4th to coincide with Krampusnacht, a traditional Austrian festival held on December 5th that celebrates the Krampus coming to punish naughty children. I didn't know that Krampus was an actual thing until... Before we did this movie. Okay. So when this movie's hype was going on, uh, you probably weren't paying in because it was a horror movie anyway. Right. Yeah, I wasn't paying any attention. Yeah. Because I remember all of a sudden there were all these specials on like the History Channel and stuff about Krampus. Really? Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I got to hear about this because this is just the goofiest thing I've ever heard in my yeah. life. Like, who would actually do this? And I remember I had a book, actually, a German book that my parents bought for me when I was very, very young called Struvelpita. Nice. And it's a bunch of poems about how to parent your kid, but they're awful poems. That ha- like, bad things happen to these kids. Like, there's one where this kid is, like, playing with matches, and mom says, stop playing with matches, and then the kid burns himself to death. <laughs> <laughs> or don't suck your thumb, or else the man with the big scissors will come and cut them off. So the, the, kid, the mom goes away, and the kid throws the thumbs in the mouth, and all of a sudden, there's this gigantic man with these gigantic scissors chops these fingers off, and you see blood in the pictures sputtering out of the kid's hands. Like and a mom children's comes, book? Yeah, and mom goes... See, told you. <laughs> Very dark humor. Oh, which I've, I've got can... it on my shelf. Oh, that's hilarious. It's actually been banned in the United States now. No way. Oh, yeah. Politically correct, everyone. <laughs> it's a pretty violent book. <laughs> uh, according to Michael Doherty, this is a Christmas film that is both scary and sentimental. Quote, A Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life are nightmares that show you these broken characters who experience a darker side of divine intervention. They need to be scared straight. One way to get to Christmas matches. I haven't seen a movie where the Christmas matches came across in a dark way. Yeah. So, 
Uh, Michael Doherty described the film as a darker version of a Christmas family film. He said, Christmas movies exist in their own little snow globe where a clashing family, no matter how sick of each other, always manages to overcome their differences and live happily ever after. But what if the family's issues escalated and then they sort of allow Krampus to seep into their reality? (laughs) That's interesting. Yes. Uh, Now, Joel, I know... We know our answer to this, but do you remember the first time you saw this? Yes. Last night. <laughs> there it is. That was last night. I was in the theater's opening weekend. Okay. Yeah. That, was, that was two last year, two years ago. Yes. Two years uh, ago. 2015. So. Three? Really? Yeah. Two years ago. Well, two. It was because we were still teaching together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So uh, I was expecting, honestly, a straight horror film when I saw this. I wasn't expecting anything. I had no idea it was a horror comedy. Yeah, none of us did. Because the commercials, you know, you see Adam Scott and you go, oh, comedy. You see David Koechner and you go, oh, it's going to be that kind of comedy. Right. And you watch it and you're like, it's really not David Koechner unleashed. He's actually held back in it. Yeah. And Adam Scott isn't really funny at all in it. No, he's really not. He has a couple of of acerbic lines and that's about it. The funniest character is uh, the lady who played Berta in Two and a Half Men. Aunt Dorothy. Aunt Dorothy, yes. (laughs) Come on, kids. Let me show you how to make peppermint schnapps. (laughs) Uh, well, let's get into the synopsis here. Can I come in? No. You know, they're leaving right after Christmas, so we only have to survive another three days. I don't get it. Every year gets worse. Why do we have to put up with their crap just because we share DNA? Because that's what a family is, Max. People you try to be friends with, even though you don't have a whole lot in common. But why? Because. Well, okay, you kind of got me there. Or maybe it makes us work a little harder to find what we do have in common, you know? Put everything aside, think of other people for a change. Friends, family, even the assholes you normally can't stand. Like Uncle Howard? Didn't want to name names. Dad, do you really believe in all that? I want to, Max. But hey, but there's still time to drop that letter in the mailbox, huh? Okay, the movie opens with a montage of crazed customers storming into a store for their Christmas shopping, trampling over the store's employees before maniacally grabbing every hot item they can get their hands on, all to the tune of It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. In the mall, we see two parents, Tom and Sarah Engel, run to their son Max as he is fighting with another child after this child spoke ill of Santa Claus to the other children. Max's sister Beth gleefully films everything on her phone. I'll be honest with you, of every Christmas movie I have ever seen, this is my favorite opening ever. Yeah, is it really? I laugh. I remember seeing this in theater, and this is when I realized it was a comedy. Because this beginning is Black Friday. It sets a really good tone. It's also straight from Jingle All the Way. See, and I don't think I've seen Jingle All the Way well enough. Oh, that's good. You, you should see it. Uh, is it now? Is it like the whole movie of Jingle All the Way, or is this montage a montage that you have seen in Jingle All the Way? It is. It is in the very beginning of Jingle, or not the beginning. It is when Arnold Schwarzenegger realizes he has not bought a Turbo Man for Jamie, and so he goes to the store. And they're, like, not opening it until, like, 9 o'clock, and everyone's, like, trying to push in. And then once they finally unlock it, the doors, like, come down, and they literally, like, step on the faces of the employees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I – everything – there's so much in this montage to enjoy. And the fact that it's done to – it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Just 
sadly, that's what Christmas is in 2017. Yeah. Like, we all like to think of it as what we see on, I hate to say it, the Hallmark Channel and all that crap. Uh, we want to believe in the Charlie Brown Christmas idea of things. We want to believe in that, that feeling you get the end of Home Alone when they're all reunited. But let's be friggin' honest. What you see in the first 15 minutes of this film is families at Christmas. Yeah. It's pressure. It's pain. It's one more thing I've got to bake. Mm-hmm. And then Christmas morning happens, and you see that in this film at the end. It's all good again. Right. And uh, it's, re- it's really a good little mirror to society, this first montage. Uh, yes, it is. Everybody in the theater was laughing hysterically at this, too. Really? Yeah. Because I remember I saw this in the theater, and there were a bunch of kids there, too. Like, parents brought their kids. One of those movies, like, oh, look, look, look the other Santa. Ha, ha, ha. Right. And I don't think they knew how scary it was going to be, but I also don't think they realized how truthful it was going to be because the parents were there sitting there laughing. The kids didn't get, and get it. And then about halfway through the movie, you start to see one parent get up with their kid and leave. Another really? parent get up and leave. And by the end, the theater was half full. No way. Oh, yeah, because it was like they had no idea that was going to be that kind of movie. The, okay. There's no excuse for that. No, because I know. <laughs> this movie came out in 2015. Everyone has smartphones. You can do research. Yeah. I don't have kids, so like I don't I don't know what parenting is like. But come on, you can research a movie ahead of time. Yes. Like I, I don't feel like there's any excuse. Like I've researched movie movies for myself. Now I know that I'm well, I assume that if I ever have a child, I'm going to research it for them as well. Yeah. Before I take them to a PG thirteen horror movie. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the family returns home where Max's German grandmother, Omi, is baking. Sarah continues working in the kitchen in the anticipation of her sister and her family arriving. She is anxious, as is everyone else, but Sarah tries to keep the Christmas spirit alive in the house. She hangs up a picture of her family posing with Santa, but it's ruined by everyone looking uninterested and Santa checking out Beth's ass. <laughs> Old dirty Santa. But, you know, I've, I've shit on this before, like people who watch Honest Trailers and stuff before they do you know, review movies and stuff. I did see the Everything uh, Wrong with Krampus, uh-huh. which is a great series on YouTube. And they, she goes, so hold on a second. She's surprised by the picture here, but what happened when she first saw the picture before she put it in the frame? When she saw the negatives at the booth. She didn't notice any of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it That's is a really a, good point. It's a nice shot, though, where you just see, they do the shot of Santa just staring at the daughter's ass. <laughs> Maybe it's to show that there's, and again, this is me playing glass half full guy. Maybe it's showing she was in such a rush there that she didn't take time to actually look at it until it was up on the wall. I'll take it. Benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That's why Joel's here. Fun little fact, though, by the way. uh, Beth, the daughter, is is the sister of one of the Butch twins. No way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, their last name is Owen, I think. Yeah. yeah, they're sisters. and Because uh, if you look at one of them, she kind of looks like the same as the sister with glasses. Yeah. No, she does. Yeah. Um, Sarah's sister, <laughs> Linda. By the way, the car arrives and the whole house shakes because it's a gigantic-ass Hummer. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's sister, Linda, arrives with her husband, Howard, and their kids, Howie Jr., Stevie, Jordan, and baby Chrissy, who they forgot in the car, along with the family dog, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> This warhead's been armed. <laughs> also joining them to Sarah's extreme displeasure is their Aunt Dorothy, whom Sarah considers to be a nightmare. I got to stop here. I talked about how in Home Alone, families treated each other like shit in that movie. Talk about how they spoke to Dorothy when she walked in. Oh, yeah. Awful. I was like, not even a, let's make it optimistic. Let's put the best foot forward. It's just, 
don't cause me any problems. Yeah, I, I don't even remember. What did they say to her? They, well, she says, Aunt Dorothy, it's so nice to have you here. Yeah. Like that. And it's like, oh, way to feel welcome. No which wonder is, she wants a drink. Which is funny because like they fake everything else in the movie, or she does. <laughs> like when she brings in the creme brulee or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. They fake it then. Yeah. It's uneven. Even when she answers the door for them. Yeah. And maybe it's because we're supposed to laugh at the meanness of people. Yeah. Which is funny to a point, but after a while, you're like, this is why people don't rewatch Bad Santa. I haven't watched it once. Okay. I think everybody at some point should watch Bad Santa and Bad Santa 2 just to see how uh, awful you could make a Christmas movie. Um, it'll make you appreciate Home Alone that much more. <laughs> it's just like a cynical Christmas movie, right? Yes. Okay. Very much so. Um, the family gathers for dinner where Howard takes the time to boast about his use of guns, despite Linda telling him not to bring that up. Dorothy insults Sarah's cooking, so Sarah goes to get the dessert in the kitchen, where Dorothy follows her to make more complaints until Sarah shuts her up. Stevie and Jordan mock Max for still writing a letter to Santa. They swiped it off of him and start reading off Max's wishes. He wants his parents to be in love again, for him and Beth to spend the time like they used to, and for things to go better between Linda and Howard. Gee, what awful things to wish for. Yeah. But this is people airing their dirty laundry in front of the people you're hiding it from. Yeah. And Max puts a mirror up to everybody, and no one likes it. Well, that, that, which is understandably so. Yeah. Um, she also, what is he says, that Uncle Howard or whatever wishes that his daughters were boys? Yes. <laughs> and that's what sets the girls off. Which is very true, by the way. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's have... so cool. He's named them Jordan and Stevie. Very uh, in, uh, ambiguous names. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Max Lute, by the way, can we talk about Howie Jr.? Is there something wrong with this child? Howie Jr. is the worst. <laughs> Just a dumb, fat face. One of them, not the one with glasses, the other girl, straight up looks like the main character from Heavyweights. I was going to say the same thing. Looks just like... It totally uh, does. Garner Gerald, age 11, 142 pounds. Oh, way to memorize that, by the way. I remember that, yeah. Oh, he totally does. She totally does. Ugh. Unless it's unless it's a yeah, I think it's a girl. It is a well. The name is Maverick. So. Maverick Flack. <laughs> no, that's that's Howie Junior. Okay. That's the boy. Okay, we know that um, is a boy. No, it's either Queenie or Lolo. Okay, it's Queenie because Lolo is last name is Owen and that's Beth's last name. Okay, uh, so well, Queenie is a girl. Queenie Samuel. Yeah, God, but, I mean, look, God just, forbid you name your son Queenie. Yeah. Now, in the defense, I mean, holy cow! You, I'm looking at the headshot on. Google Images, yeah, it still looks just like him. <laughs> I mean, unbelievably so. <laughs> looks just like the Gardner. kid from Heavyweights. Are they related? Could they be related? If it would be his daughter, it would have to be. It like really his, would be. Wouldn't it would it? have to be his daughter. Yeah. Wow, that movie was made a long, a long time ago. Yeah, because Keenan Thompson, Keenan Thompson was one of the kids, and now he's on SNL. He was, and so is Goldberg from uh, the Goldberg. Mighty Ducks. Yep. No, those were all the kids from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> it was the original Stranger Things group. <laughs> no, it really was. But yeah, everyone go look up Queenie Samuel and then watch Heavyweights. Yeah, <laughs> and then just imagine us. Queenie in a go kart. <laughs> uh, let's see. Here we go. They sw- uh, 
Stevie gets angry when she reads that Max wrote that Howard wishes she and Jordan were boys. Max loses it and fights Stevie to get the letter back. He yells at the whole family and says he wishes Christmas was like it used to be. But now he hates the holiday and his dysfunctional family before running back upstairs. I don't want a family. I don't want any family. Families Families suck. (laughs) There's Home Alone. Tom goes upstairs to comfort his son and remind him that this is the time of year where they have to deal with family members like this. After Tom leaves, Max puts his Santa letter into an envelope, but he is too angry to go through with it, and he tears up the letter. He throws the pieces out the window, which are then blown up high into the sky. A dark cloud then forms over the whole neighborhood, followed by a strong gust of wind that takes out the power, and the wet bandits arrive. One of my my only real complaints about this movie is have you ever tried to throw paper in the wind? It doesn't work. No, it, it's like Gob in uh, Arrested Development when he tries to throw Michael's check into the ocean. That is a very real scene. Yes. If you ever like rip up paper and try to throw it out of a window, mm-hmm. it's not going to gust up to the side of the house and then up into the moon. Oh, no. It's no, going to no, no. just come back in the window. That's how windows work. It's like the feather in Forrest Gump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no one or tries the, to throw the feather. Or that damn trash bag in American Beauty yeah. that somehow stays in the air. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> the next morning, the whole family is struggling without heat and electricity as a snowstorms blow through the area. Max looks out the window and notices a creepy snowman having been built in front of the house. Do they ever address the snowman in the whole movie? Uh, at some point later on, there's two or three snowmen uh, closer to when the elves show up. Okay. Uh, but they are, they are out there being built by, I'm guessing, the elves. Okay. But it is a pretty... It's a, it's a nice-looking snowman. Yeah, it's almost like you think, though, with the snowman being out there at first, that's their final boss battle they have to face before Krampus. Yes. you think that the snowman would have come to life. Which, by the way, Krampus plays a very small part in this whole movie. Yes, very small. (laughs) Uh, But spoilers aside. Yeah, we won't say anything, yeah. Someone knocks on the door, and Linda answers it to find a delivery guy bringing some boxes. Next to him is a sack of gifts, but he claims it didn't come from him. Must have been the guys in brown. Uh, Beth, by the way, well done FedEx for doing some cross-promotion. Was that FedEx? FedEx brings the gift, and then they say, must be the guys in brown that showed up there. Oh, no, it was... Um, Wasn't it, it FedEx? Was it was the, the yellow and red one. Hurt? No. Hertz delivery? You, you delivery? <laughs> you deliver. <laughs> Uber! Yeah, it was Uber. <laughs> Uber Eats. Uh, next to him is the sack of gifts. Okay, Beth suggests that she walk a few blocks to her boyfriend Derek's house to see if he has power, and also so she won't be stuck with the family. DHL. Thank you. DHL. All right. Although Sarah has, is hesitant, she and Tom allow Beth to go out for an hour. This is where you have to suspend belief because there's no way in hell parents would let their kids go out in a blizzard, no, supposed a blizzard. To see the boy, high school boyfriend. Yeah, down the street where there's no power and they can't see anybody's home. Yeah. I, I don't think that's happening. Uh, but I've got another issue when it comes to Beth and the parents later on that yeah. I'm to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Beth walks through the storm and sees a large horned creature perched on top of a roof. Now... When I watched this uh, earlier in the week, I watched it through Joel's eyes. At that point, did you say, no, no, no? No, I really didn't. Okay, it wasn't even that scary. No, it wasn't that scary at that point. I just went, huh, there's Krampus. Yeah, and it, I love the sound in it. It's that big thump shows yeah. up. But even better, it, it, the sky becomes darker, and the creature appears to follow Beth. She runs away as the creature pounces across the rooftops, and I love the shot of this. As she's running, and you see it jumping from rooftop to rooftop. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It looks sweet. Yeah. 
Uh, Beth finds the delivery guy literally frozen in fear. So the DHL guy is frozen. I didn't know he's frozen. I thought he was just cold. Like frozen stiff. Oh, got it. Yeah. Uh, she hides underneath his truck as the creature lands on the ground where Beth sees its hooves. To her side, she sees a jack-in-the-box playing a tune. If you see a jack-in-the-box and it's playing by itself, you, you go the other way. Yeah. Well, it's like after Krampus has supposedly left. Yeah, he, he jumps up and he's gone. He's gone, and so she thinks it's about time. And like you as a viewer, like, is, it, is he waiting or is it time for her to like make a run for it? Right. And that's when she looks over and sees the jack-in-the-box. But this is one of those things in a scary movie where you're like, get it right, would you please? If you see a jack-in-the-box that's playing by itself, you get the hell out of there. Yeah. Um, it opens and a smaller creature emerges slowly before attacking Beth. But what I like is that you don't actually see it attack Beth. Right. You just see the van shaking and you realize, okay, this is a horror movie that's not going to show you a lot of the horror shit. Right. It's all assumption. Yeah. It's very much like a Jurassic Park. Yes. Yes, it is. You don't actually see the damage. You just know what happened. Right. Um, as it gets dark, as it gets darker, Tom and Sarah become concerned when Beth doesn't return. Well, their concern is pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Howard agrees to go out with Tom and his Hummer to find her. And Howard gives Tom a gun to carry just in case. What's the name of his Hummer? Lucinda. Lucinda. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we can take Lucinda. And then he opens up the back and he's got this gigantic gun rack in the back. <laughs> uh, by the way, Earlier, they're having the dinner together, and he shits all over him being an Eagle Scout. Yeah. I don't think people know how hard it is to be an Eagle Scout. No, it's... I've never done it. I've had cousins that have done it, but yeah, I haven't. It's like, if you're in this situation, you want a survival expert. Right. Uh, but, I mean, that's just the... As the stereotypical ignorant Southern, like, huh, Eagle Scout. Yeah. Yeah. Guns shoot tobacco. <laughs> that's how they see us okay nra yeah exactly uh, hey to each their own enjoy your guns okay uh they go back outside and tom hears beth scream oh no i'm sorry i skipped they go to Derek's house and find it unoccupied and wrecked the two see large hoof prints in the snow and i love he goes i've i've hunted some wild game before that's an antelope <laughs> no that's a hoof print <laughs> They go back outside, and Tom hears Beth screaming. He runs to find her, only for something burrowing underneath the snow to grab Howard. It nearly drags him beneath the snow until Tom shoots at the creature and sends it fleeing. They find the Hummer has been destroyed, and they run home, and he leans, Lucinda! (laughs) The ladies tend to Howard's leg, which appears to have a bite mark on it. Omi is seen looking nervous by the fireplace. Tom says they need to board up the house and look for Beth in the morning. Really? If it's your daughter, you get your ass out there and look. Well, I mean, they just tried. Well, they gave her the old college try, and someone was, something attacked them under the snow. I guess that would be daunting. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. I can't. I know this. If I had a daughter, I don't care if Godzilla's outside the door. I'm going to try to do the whole, like, remember when you were a kid and you pretended the ground was lava? And you jump from port, like uh, couch to couch. Yeah, I'd yeah, be yeah. doing the same shit outside to get. Th- I'd be like, okay, I'll just throw stuff on top of the snow, and it can't get me. Yeah, fair. You, it, you do whatever you can, and this is where it's like, you know, maybe your maybe your family does suck. Yeah, I mean, like I, they go to sleep, and I don't see how you go to sleep with your daughter missing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, 
But she's one of the people that like films fights instead of breaks them up. So you know what? Maybe she, it's good. Good riddance. Well, she's every other kid in 2017. That's what I'm right? saying. <laughs> um, the they, worst. They're awful. By the way, all right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. We had <laughs> 15 kids today, eighth graders in ISS. Love that. Four of them are getting court dates for OSS. Oh, snap. We had a seventh grader provide vodka to the eighth graders in the bathroom. Phenomenal. I'm sorry. It was vodka and purple drink. Like syrup? Like <laughs> the, the purple soda with the oh. codeine and the Robitussin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my god. Except apparently they made it wrong, and it was just like the, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> the vodka. Because they're stupid. Because <laughs> they're stupid. <laughs> I was like, I looked at the list this morning, I was like, there's like eight kids in ISS. What the heck happened? <laughs> My gosh. Um, the adults decide to take turns keeping watch for anything suspicious. Howard volunteers to stay awake while Tom rests with his family. Howard also apologizes to Tom for thinking he was always a spineless dick. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, everyone falls asleep and the fire goes out. Now, let's remember, Omi told everybody, you don't let the fire go out. And see, I missed that part. I don't know if I was making dinner or what happened, but I totally missed her saying, you don't let the fire go out. She, well, she says it later on, but she also keeps reminding them, uh, mind the fire. I'm going to mind the fire. Okay. Okay. Uh, but then, the, and this might be my second favorite scene in the movie. The, the, eventually, everyone, a hook descends from the chimney. With a gingerbread man cookie tied to it. <laughs> fat Howard Jr. The only thing he does in the movie that she gives any effort. He just leans his fat face over and takes a bite out of the gingerbread man's head. <laughs> and the gingerbread man comes to life and frightens Howie. It yells at him. But even better, I love how the hook is hanging there. And then it starts to jingle a little bit like you're fishing. Yeah. <laughs> The hook wraps around Howie and starts pulling him up the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the chimney. Sarah wakes up and runs to grab the boy with the rest of the adults grabbing her for help. Sarah accidentally kicks a hot log toward the Christmas tree, igniting the presents and then the whole tree. Uh, Max runs to get the fire extinguisher because all he cares about is preserving Christmas and puts out the fire. But Sarah gets freaked out by the cookie, causing her to let go of Howie and he is taken... Up the chimney. They do such a good job of making you hate the family, though, that you're never really afraid of the monsters because you're like, good, Howie Jr. kind of deserved to die. He was a pretty terrible kid. Yeah. These people deserve to be terrorized by Krampus, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, like, they do, they just present the message in the first 20 minutes of the movie that none of these people are going to contribute to society except for the one kid that was in Chef. Omi and Max. Yeah, Omi and Max. <laughs> Max is going to open up a food cart with his next dad, John Favreau. <laughs> And that's it. Like, those are the only people that you have any hope in because even Adam Scott's character is kind of forgettable. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, go see Chef. It's a great movie. It's a yeah, really good movie. Uh, now convinced that something unnatural is occurring. Really, now? You who are attacked in the snow by something that was rolling around underneath it, now you're convinced? Uh, yeah. uh, Omi speaks English for the first time, and I love Aunt Dorothy... Oh, huh. now she speaks English. <laughs> so much like Rush Hour when Jackie Chan finally speaks English to the officer. Yeah. Uh, to tell the family that she knows who is doing this and that this is all their fault. She says she experienced the same thing as a child. And then we get probably one of the better scenes in this movie. Uh, this is 
we'll talk about this later. This is one of my favorite scenes. In the is movie. it really? Yeah. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Uh, through an animated sequence, uh, and I think it's stop motion. It seems like it's stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Omi as a little girl in her old poverty-stricken village. She was holding a toy Santa and a loaf of bread, but the other villagers snatched the bread from her and fought each other for it. When Omi returned home, her parents didn't help matters though their, through their own, be- own bad behavior, and her mother ripped the Santa doll. Omi lost her holiday spirit and threw the doll in the fireplace after wishing that her parents would go away. Home Alone? A little bit. <clears throat> Uh, this wish, how cool would Home Alone have been if Krampus showed up to take the parents? Whoa. <laughs> oh. Just saying. Think about that. Imagine Home Alone, you take out all the airport shit and their regret of forgetting him, and instead, they've been kidnapped by Krampus, and Krampus has sent the wet bandits. I'm t- I mean... I meant to bring something up on the last podcast. There was something in my mind. There was like a conspiracy of Home Alone didn't actually happen. Oh. Like I want to think that everything it was, was all a like dream. a weird dream or something. Because like there's a way that it could add up. I read earlier this week that one of the original scripts, and when you, when you, hear, when you probably hear this, you, I don't know if you know it or not, you'll start to see certain things in this film that you're like, oh my gosh, they didn't write it out. But they had it where the wet bandits were actually hired by Uncle Frank to rip off the house. Oh, no way. Uncle Frank was going to be the, the bad guy in it. Oh, that's believable. But when you watch his character, you're like, he seems like he would do shit like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I heard that. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, okay, back to Omi's little story here. Uh, she wishes her parents would go away. This wish would summon an ancient spirit that arrives to punish anyone that disrespected the Christmas spirit. The spirit's name is Krampus, and he brings multiple helpers to terrorize the misbehaved. Omi watched as Krampus and his helpers dragged her parents to their underworld, with Krampus leaving her with nothing but a bauble with his name on it as a reminder of what she's done. Omi shows the family the the bauble, and to this day, she has regretted making that wish. Howard remains unconvinced that this is the work of some supernatural entity, and he grabs a shotgun to go out and find Howie. As he opens the door, he discovers a snowman with a close resemblance to Howie on the front porch. Several demonic creatures lurk behind the snowman, and Sarah pulls Howard back inside the house. Okay, so I'm... And I was watching that part because I really like that scene. I must have missed her handing the, showing the family the bobble. I think that actually happened in the flashback where she's holding oh, okay. it. Yeah. Okay. But they all recognize the bobble later on. I think it's just it all comes back to them. Okay. Or is it hanging on the tree? Did she hang it herself on the tree? I'll have to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, this is a movie that, just like Home Alone, has rewatchability. Uh-huh. Uh, which we'll talk later. I actually going to change my Home Alone grade. Oh, yeah, because I watched it again this week. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> to, just because I know I was the low man last week on the grades, and I was like, okay, did I miss something? Uh, everyone's got their own, but I mean, like your C could be my B minus, or right. everyone's got their own. But I recognize I recognize something that I didn't realize before. Okay, I, yeah. Uh, Tom devises a plan to get to the snowplow with the family and head to the mall for shelter. Meanwhile, Stevie and Jordan think they hear what sounds like Beth's voice coming from upstairs. Wow, they can really do impersonations of Beth very well. They walk up to investigate, but then the adults hear the girls screaming. Tom, Sarah, and Linda run up the attic and... Oh, burp, beer burp. And notice that... (laughs) 
had noticed that the kids' presence had something burst out of them. Then they come across an enormous worm-like jack-in-the-box in the process of swallowing Jordan whole. I think that was the scariest part of the whole movie. Yeah? It was like the clown jack-in-the-box. Mm-hmm. But like it wasn't scary. It was just a gross-looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom shoots it, causing it to flee towards the vents and where it later escapes. The adults then get attacked by demonic toys. Sarah faces her mother's angel ornament that nearly hangs her with Christmas lights. Linda is jumped by an evil teddy bear straight out of Five Nights with Freddy. And Tom is attacked by a robot toy. Downstairs, Howard gets shot with a nail gun by three gingerbread men. How? I'm going to address that later. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Linda sees Stevie in the next room, driving her to grab an icicle and stab the teddy in the eye. She grabs a hatchet and swings at the angel and robot before running to Stevie. Sarah gets Howard's gun and shoots the robot to pieces. Howard shoots a lantern that burns the cookies only for one to survive and pounce toward them, but they are saved by the family dog. (laughs) Which is great. Yeah. Because... Earlier, he calls the dog a useless turd. <laughs> and then the useless turd saves his life. Yes. Uh, I do love seeing Dave Kickner take on Gingerbread Men. Yeah. Amazing scene. <laughs> I could watch a half hour of that, honestly. <laughs> uh, the family goes downstairs to the living room where Max sends Rosie into the ventila- ventilation shaft to combat the clown, but the dog is consumed by it off screen. Why would you send it? <laughs> By the way, if you don't know what's going on in the movie at this point, the writers have figured out, we really don't know where to go with this. Let's just start to kill off everyone. Yeah. Uh, The -the jack-in-the-box clown suddenly crashes through the ceiling into the living room. Before Howard can kill it, the teddy bear, the teddy and cherub leap down from the hole in the ceiling to attack once more. (sighs) Dorothy takes the shotgun, and Adam Scott says, finish them all. (laughs) Uh, and kills the teddy and angel before she can finish off the clown. A group of dark elves break into the house. They take Dorothy and Chrissy, while Howard is lost when he grabs onto the clown's tail as it's sucked out through the hole in the wall. A loud thumping is heard on the roof, signifying the arrival of Krampus and causing the elves to flee. So do the elves work for Krampus, or are they just hanging out around him and they're afraid of him? Uh... I think probably more of the second one. Okay. I think it's more of a respect thing. They're getting out of his way. They've done their job to terrorize, but they don't get in his way when he wants to do his. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, Omi stays behind while Tom, Sarah, Linda, Max, and Stevie escape. I don't know what she plans on gaining out of this, honestly. (laughs) Omi then comes face to face. I don't get that one either. Yeah. What's she like? I'm going to stand up to you and then die a good death. Everyone's going to die anyway. More honorable. (laughs) Yeah. Omi then comes face-to-face with Krampus, who looks like a demonic Santa Claus with a long tongue. It was like his jawbone doesn't move. Yeah, it's just permanently like TMJ'd, locked open. (laughs) (laughs) But from what I heard, that is actually supposed to be his mask. Oh, really? And his real face is underneath it. Because if you look at it, they do a close-up of him at some point when they talk with Max. Yeah. And his eyes seem on a different plane than the rest of his face. Okay. So I'm guessing it's supposed to be a mask. Okay. Yeah. Which lends to what does he look like? I kind of want to know. I know what the actor looks like. Oh, <laughs> the actor who played Krampus? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, normal looking guy. Yeah. Probably sitting there going, why would he play Krampus? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, he opens his sack in front of Omi, and a gruesome-looking nutcracker soldier grabs her and pulls her inside. The family heads towards the snowplow, only for the creature in the snow to attack again. It first takes Tom, before also getting Linda and Sarah. Max and Stevie get into the snowplow. Max tries to start it, but the elves attack and take Stevie. Max runs after her, and he is faced by Krampus. He had hands Max his torn-up letter that is wrapped around a bauble, similar to what he gave Omi. This leads Max to realize that it's his fault that Krampus arrived. He follows the demons to a spot where they are preparing to take Stevie. Max calls to Krampus and throws the bauble back toward him. It sinks in the snow and opens up a massive hole in the earth that leads to the underworld. And everybody who's watched this movie goes... Him standing up to Krampus is going to save the day. Yes. The elves hold Stevie over it until Max tells Krampus that he knows it is his fault that Krampus is there, and he offers the sacrifice to take Stevie's place. Krampus gently wipes Max's tear with his claw, and he and the elves start laughing as they throw Stevie into the hole. <laughs> <laughs> It ain't that type of movie, everybody. Nope. Krampus grabs Max and holds him over the hole. Max says he's only wish he only wishes Christmas could be like it used to be, and Krampus drops him into hell. <laughs> so I was wondering if like they were doing the other daughter's voice, or if like that little pit to hell just followed them everywhere. Yeah, and they could actually hear her from down there. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Possibilities. I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. For those of you who celebrate Krampus Drift or whatever it's called, you write in. I don't know. <laughs> Krampus knocked. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> uh, Max all of a sudden wakes up and finds himself in his room. And it's now Christmas Day. He goes downstairs and sees the whole family together looking more happy and peaceful than they did a few days ago. It's a very bright hue on the screen, too. A, little, a sheen almost. Yes. Yeah, sheen's a good word to put. Not not a Hobbit sheen, but a Star Wars prequel sheen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, they start to open presents, and Max hugs his parents, thinking the whole ordeal was just a bad dream. He then opens his gift to find the Krampus bauble. And suddenly, everyone has an ominous look on their faces as their memories of the horrific events slowly come back to them. The camera pans out revealing that either the family is being watched through a snow globe by Krampus, along with hundreds of others in his collection, or are now being held prisoner for all eternity by the evil Krampus. And as it pulls back, the evil toys then appear for one last jump scare, and credits roll. And that's the movie. That's the that movie. That is Krampus. Which, I like how the ending is like, you can get whatever you want out of this. Yeah. Uh, did the awards get it right? Zero noms, zero wins. I'd say probably. So. I think they got it right. Yeah, the only thing you could nominate this thing probably for is sound, or maybe special effects. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I don't even think they did costumes that phenomenally. There wasn't a lot of. I mean, there was not a lot of CGI in this. I think the most CGI was actually just him running roof to roof. Yeah. Practical effects. Original story. Uh, making a. What, what do they call when you rewrite a story to fit the screen? Best adapted screenplay. Adapted screenplay, maybe? Maybe? Yeah. That's not really a, this story. Maybe. I guess that's maybe the most, the best award you can give it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing more than that, though. <laughs> uh, Joel, what did you think after watching this movie? I've been waiting for this one. I thought it was good. I'm really surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, it. <clears throat> I forgot to fill this one out because I didn't want to fill it out until I was actually done. But, yeah. I mean, 
I thought it was a good film. It wasn't too scary. It um, it was a good PG-13 horror, or not even a horror movie, just a... Horror comedy. Yeah, alternate take on another dimension of Christmas. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was... I thought it was funny. I like the actors. I like David Koechner. I like Adam Scott. I like the little kid. I like the Aunt Dorothy. Yeah, Dorothy was great. <laughs> I didn't. It was funny. I didn't care for her much at the beginning, but I really liked her towards the end. Okay. Um, but yeah, what about you? Well, when I was in the theater, when as soon as it was done, I was like, "Yep, this is a Christmas staple now in my house. Nice. It has to be watched at Christmas time." Uh, and it's kind of funny when I go I, later on. I'm going to go over. Uh, the five movies I watched at Christmas that I had last year, and they're still the ones that my five that I have to watch. And I didn't realize how similar they actually all were. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay, on to the next piece. All right, on to the next segment titled Top Three, Bottom Three. This is where we pick our top three things we love or scenes we like in this movie, and then we choose three things we dislike about the film and that we find the weakness. Let's start with the top three, though. Let's start with some positives. Joel, what are your top three things that you want to highlight in this movie? All right, my number three, uh, the main kid that we were talking about from Chef, whatever his name was, Bobby, <laughs> Max. Billy, Max. Uh, I thought he was really good, but mostly just the one-liners from Dorothy. I think that they were all pretty spot on and very well-placed as far as comic relief goes in the film. Part me to the eggnog. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two, I really enjoyed the animated story of Krampus. I think yes. it was really well done. I agree. Just that was the, awesome. The stop motion, the way they did fire, just the whole progression of it, I thought was really well done. And that you didn't see Krampus. It was a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Um, and which kind of leads me to my number one. Nothing in this movie is truly terrifying. Like the balance of comedy with like the holiday thematics and the terror was done really well. Yeah. Um, I think just about anybody can enjoy this movie that's of age. Mm-hmm. Kind of like similar to Jurassic Park and Alien. It's all it's a lot of like imagination scare or insinuating and like understanding that something happened but we're not going to gruesomely show it to you. They kept the story as the primary focus mm-hmm. and didn't try to get their ratings off of like gruesomely like dismembering people or showing no. like scary deaths. It was like we're you're gonna understand that people died, but we're not going to waste time on that. We're gonna stick to the story, and that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, I like that. What about your top three? Uh my number three, the gingerbread cookie fight with Dave Keckner. <laughs> in fact anytime gingerbread men were on the screen i was a happy person honestly yeah <laughs> thank you seth green <laughs> uh my number two the evil toys could have been scarier but they found a way to go with the design of them that was actually silly or comedic like you had the angel and you had this ridiculously long tongue that just like slapped her in the cheek yeah or you had the robot and you're like you could have made this more uh menacing but instead it's just a robot that would it moves like a robot. Uh, the teddy bear, it had some sharp teeth, but it was still a friggin' teddy bear. Uh, so th- I thought it was a smart move. They, they, they could, because they could have very easily been like, at this point, let's just scare the heck out of people. And they didn't. And my number one is the opening scene. It's perfection. Uh, I could watch this. I've shown this opening scene at least four or five times this week when I've told people we're doing crap. I was like, but you gotta see the opening scene. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. And people laugh hysterically when they see it because they're like, that is it. That's what it's like. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite, I'll be honest with you, my favorite part of that opening scene is not all the beating up and all that stuff. There is a shot where they go to the register and they're doing the money and you look at the faces of people as they're spending this money and it looks like they're just stressing out because it's like, that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it really is. How am I going to afford next week? <laughs> okay, on to the bottom three. Time to vent. Joel, 
My number three is that nail guns have a safety feature (laughs) on the tip of them that prevents free fire unless being pressed against a surface of wood. Um, That being said, the Jim and Gerbred scene probably wouldn't have played out like it did. Um, However, nothing in this movie really makes sense, so why waste time splitting And let's be honest, it wouldn't have worked in Happy Gilmore either when he's doing the nail gun shots. He's knocking out things. No, you're absolutely right. Um, It seems that I forgot a number two. Oh, <laughs> um, let's see. What's something I didn't care for? <clears throat> How uh, about uh, <laughs> Rosie going in the vents? <laughs> let's see, the fact that if, the parents don't care about that. Yeah, I, I thought about that. Yeah, the, the fact that parents don't care. Um, I don't like that. Maybe more wasn't done with the grandmother's death. Okay. Like I thought it was a kind of touching scene where the son was like, "No, she wants to. She's trying to do this for us." But, I mean, I read the synopsis before I even watched the movie, and I was, like, expecting a she sacrificed herself. I'm like, not not really. No, she's a footnote. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I feel like her death should have been a lot cooler. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't as cool as it was. Well, especially since she told the story. You're like, right. well, she's going to get something very grand here, a right. moment for herself, and there's no moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and number one, I'm not sure if it is a bottom three, but I loved how it was an absolutely just best of of holiday movies. <laughs> Like, the villains were like gremlins. The opening scene was from Jingle All the Way. The redneck family is Eddie and his family from Christmas Vacation. The family themselves was the Griswolds just trying to, like, put on a good face and be fancy in front of their uh, family members. The kid hating his relatives and then running into the room, wishing that Christmas would be the way that it uh, they have been for years was shot for shot home alone. Yeah. The ending with the chase across the ground was pretty much tremors. Yes. Which is not a holiday movie, but all of them are now streaming on Hulu for those pe- keeping count. <laughs> um, but I do want to compliment and say that this is the first movie that says, Oh, you like, you don't want to believe and you think you have it better. Well, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that kind of goes, b- bumps up to a top three that I like. I love that. This is a, yeah. everyone is trying to like prove why Santa exists and, prove why you should believe in the Christmas spirit. This is not trying to prove anything. This is just saying, it's fine if you don't want to. This is what happens. <laughs> it reminds me of the, the moment in Seinfeld where Putty, uh, where she realizes Putty is super religious. <laughs> she goes, it doesn't bother you that I'm not religious? Why do I care? I'm not going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> why, should I, why should I care? I'm not the one going to hell. <laughs> what about your bottom three? Okay, my number three. Nobody seems too broken up that the older sister's not only missing, but dead. Yeah, that's pretty big. <laughs> uh, my number two, Omi speaks English pretty well. What was with all the German earlier? <laughs> uh, she probably doesn't like that family either. But she, even when she was with her own family, and they're making Christmas cookies, she's still just speaking German. And do the kids know German that fluently that they can understand her? I would say this. If I moved to another country... And I had family there. I would, I would be talking English all the time. Yeah. If no one could understand me, I would love that. <laughs> uh, my number one, the ending feels rushed. Dude, quick, how do we kill everyone now? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was a pretty quick ending. Uh, okay, now, who is the audience for this movie? Um, oh, man. <laughs> I wouldn't say horror fans because horror movie fans are going to be like, it wasn't that scary. And I can't really say Adam Scott, David Koechner fan. I mean, honestly, I think, okay, Adam Scott and David Koechner fans. Okay. People that like them but want to see them in a little something different, that they're not, they're not taking themselves too seriously. Um, anyone that wants, like, a twist on Christmas, but they don't want to go full black Christmas. Okay. Um, I'll say that. All right. Uh, mine is for Christmas fans who enjoyed Gremlins as a Christmas yeah. movie. 
but also, I, 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 I'll say this. I do think that there's a segment of horror fans who like this because it gives them something to watch during the holidays. Yeah. Uh, that everyone can watch. Yeah. As a horror fan, you're constantly be probably told, like, you know, oh, we don't want to watch your movie. And you can be like, hey, guys, I've got a movie that everyone can enjoy. It's not going to scare you too badly. But it, and it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Let's sit down and watch this. And you really can't sit there and watch this and go, that was bad. No, you can't. You, you actually enjoy parts of it. So, yeah. So it, this is kind of like a horror movie win, I think, for people during the yeah. holidays. This movie kind of goes back to like what I said on one of my very first podcasts. It's like, movies were made to entertain. Yes. And so this, this movie was not trying to get nominated in the Academy. <laughs> they were not trying to like please anybody. They just wanted to make a movie that was entertaining, that had a fun, unique message. I agree. Okay, now to the movie report card. A, B, C, D, F in the Christmas feature film genre. Joel, give us a grade and some comments that defend your grade. All right, so the music was great. I love the ending credits when they made scary versions of the holiday classics. Dug that. The scary wasn't too scary. No. But enough to make you want the good guys to win. Uh, The child's acting, for the most part, was good. I mean, it wasn't great. Uh, I thought it was better at the beginning than it was at the end. Yeah. I mean, the, the doofusy kids didn't do too well, but I mean, they're, they didn't really have any lines. They just stared. Honestly, the best portion of the kids talking to each other was Beth and Max when they were talking to each other, and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, casting, I think, was well done. They didn't get too like, many A-plus superstar actors. They just did a good job with their middlemen. Yeah. Um, movie pacing was pretty good. Uh, it was a quality movie all around. It's rare to find a Christmas movie that's an overall A in the general movie sense, like kind of like what we talked about earlier. I say that some of the lines and parts of the story would knock it down to an A minus, if not a B. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I agree with you in that this is very much a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's not a Christmas movie. It's it's just not a Christmas movie for everybody. Um, this has a limited audience, so I'm going to go with a B minus. Just because it's better than the average trash <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movie that gets thrown out. Yes. I love Tim Allen to the ends of the earth. Uh-huh. He is one of my favorite actors of all time as far as just making movies that I truly enjoy. Yeah. I saw enough of Christmas at the Cranks to know that like I don't care to see it ever again. Okay. I think. I, I love mean, Christmas with the Gangs. Cranks. Maybe I need to give it a second chance. Maybe yeah. I just like, I remember thinking like Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't the best. Yeah. I need to watch it again. I think it's streamable. But Santa Claus, the Santa Claus. Santa Claus is amazing. I almost want to do Santa Claus, the Santa Claus, because I think that's going to be an A. Yeah. But like, what I'm saying is like Christmas of the Cranks is considered a very good Christmas movie. Yeah. And from what I've seen from Christmas of the Cranks, I would rather, I will probably watch Krampus three times to the one I might watch Christmas of the Cranks. Could Christmas of the Cranks be like in that same tier as your four Christmases? Yeah, no, it would. It's yeah. like it's a, just a forgettable. But anything, I need to see it again. Okay, all um, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that it belongs in the above average category because it is above the average Christmas movie. Your Four Christmases, your Christmas of the Cranks. Those are very good average Christmas movies, and I think this is just a little bit above those because it's original. Part of me wishes that the ending wouldn't would have kind of like ended happier. I remember them. Like zooming out of the snow globe and be like, this is where JC would have been furious. Yes, exactly. It's not um, a happy ending. Yeah. Or so, is it a happy ending? I don't, I don't know. Cause like, I would have liked it to be happier. I think it was a pretty slick way to finish it. However, Krampus did give him what he asked for. 
which was a forever rotation of Christmas the way it used to be. Yes. And so Krampus gave him what he wanted. And there really is no feeling like Christmas morning. Uh, Every day. I would enjoy that, but it seems like everyone's also aware of what happened also. Like, if they had not been aware, it probably would have been really great. Right, you're right. But the first gift he opens is the ones like, yeah, I'm going to torture you now. Yeah. So... (laughs) I'm going to go B minus. Okay. What about you? Uh, uh, look, first and foremost, this movie is not for everyone. You're right. Uh, however, it has something that a lot of holiday movies don't have. It needs Christmas. Otherwise, it doesn't work. This is a Christmas movie, not a movie set at Christmas. That immediately makes it better than average in my eyes in the Christmas feature film genre. Uh, now, that's not to say that movies that are set at Christmas don't can't be above average also. I gave... Uh, I think uh, Home Alone a B, you know, uh, the B or a B plus. Uh, and that's not that I, I defend. I, I said that it's a movie set at Christmas. Uh, I think this is more a Christmas movie than Home Alone is. But I think that Home Alone's a better Christmas movie than this is. OK. OK. Uh, the comedic acting is OK. It's not overly haha funny, but it's acerbic enough to make you smile at the family bits that seem all too real in regards to what we are really dealing with during the holidays. Uh, the introduction of this mythical and legendary creature of European descent is frightening, but the way they introduce Omi's story using animation is a brilliant directorial move. Uh, they could have very easily done a flashback live action of this, and but I think that by doing it as a cartoon, it sucked in a different viewership at that point. Uh, Krampus is not the darkest character in this movie, though. No. Uh, turns out his toys, evil elves, and the gingerbread men are really the antagonists. As cool as these villains are, at the end of Krampus, I know about as much about him as I do at the beginning. Uh, he's a completely underdeveloped character. If this movie was introducing the opposite of Santa Claus, you have to give us more than he's an evil Santa. Where did he originate? I don't know. I need to know. It's like Steppenwolf in Justice League. Cool villain, but what the hell is he? Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, this movie is trying to be two separate things. Sometimes it's a comedy, but the longer the movie goes on, the darker it appears to get, and the comedy goes away. Although it tries to balance the comedy and horror, there are better movies that accomplish it. The message of this movie is delivered in a horrific manner, but it is delivered. The ending of this film is wildly ambiguous and makes you wonder if everyone is okay or if they are all in their own personal hell after how they acted prior to Max ripping up his letter. The movie reminds us to never give up hope around the holidays. I'm giving this a C plus though. Uh, It's definitely a unique story and it is one of my favorites uh, at the holidays and the range uh, and the, and and it's better than average, but the delivery of the story only pushes it for me slightly above the C range. I said C plus, you said B minus. So we're kind of in the same zone. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, if we didn't have pluses or minuses, I'm guessing both of us would either put it a C or a B. Yeah. Um, which, that's something that <laughs> we may want to discuss. Is Should we just get rid of the pluses and minuses at this point? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Uh, if this movie released on Blu-ray, this is the fan rating now. As, as a fan of movies, just enjoying them, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? Joel? Uh, streaming it was good for me, yeah. but I don't know. If I saw it on Blu-ray for $5, I'd probably scoop it up. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm a buy it. This, this is a must-see for my Christmas season. Uh, this was actually my number five when we did our Christmas show. And right. uh, on my personal list, behind A Christmas Story, Scrooged, 
Die Hard, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. If you look at them all, it's a comedy, a comedy, an action comedy, a comedy, and a horror comedy. They're all funny. Yeah. You have Charlie Brown Christmas. Christmas is not on my list. No. You don't laugh at that movie. Uh, not a lot. They're, they're, I mean, you laughed when you were, I think you laughed out of nostalgia because you realized that it is funny stuff that kids probably dealt with then. Yeah. Um, but for me, I like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, when those claymation ones are on TV, I don't watch them as adults anymore. Oh, no. It's not, I it's, can't watch the claymation ones. Yeah, it's not something that I'm like, and I know people who are adults are like, I have to watch those because that's Christmas to me. I get that. We all have what's Christmas to us. I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I also, you know what else I don't like around the Christmas time? What? Christmas-themed sitcoms and dramas. Oh, I love them. Do you really? Love them. I, I detest the Christmas them. specials, most mostly Thanksgiving specials. See, I'm not a fan. Specials were the best. I'm not a fan of them because I think half of them are good, and the other half you just feel like you're just pandering right now. Like they did a super girl, like Supergirl. They did like a Christmas theme one. I was like, stop it. Oh man, I, I it's a Supergirl. Because <laughs> even like the bad shows, you could watch one if yeah. it was a Christmas special. Uh, it's funny. I just looked something up. Yes. <clears throat> saying, did you spot these iconic horror movie houses in Krampus? Apparently, if you zoom out on the neighborhood, you can see they say they live. The Krampus house is right next door to the uh, Amityville Horror House. Is it? I didn't even notice. They said that Doherty even told them that if you keep looking, the Ferris Bueller house is in there somewhere, as is the Myers house from Halloween. Oh, that is so cool. And they said um, when they zoom out of the snow globes, there's one snow globe in there that has the uh, Bates Motel in it. So something to look for next time. Well, first and foremost, we want to say have a happy new year coming up. We're going to be off until January 1st. However, come January 1st, we're going to do something that we've been wanting to do for a long time. We are going to revisit the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with the movie that started it off first, the original Iron Man. And we'll be doing shows every two weeks for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, leading all the way up to the most recent movie coming up. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and we'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to Twisterium and Soundjay Music for always providing our music for our new shows and any other things that we're using. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays and happy movie watching.